One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Okay, joining me now on a very special roundtable end of decade Arscast uh, to discuss all things Arsenal over the last 10 years and at the moment, very briefly, uh, our good player, hello. Hello. Uh, Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog.com. Hi there. And the man from East Lower. Happy New Year. And to you. Um, let, let's start very quickly, if I can, man from East Lower with you. Um, after the Chelsea game, uh, we'll touch very briefly on what's going on at the moment. After the Chelsea game, we were 11 points behind them. Everyone had written us off. December has been exceptionally good for us, both in terms of our form and what the teams around us, uh, around us have done. Yeah, when when we lost 3-0 uh, and Wenger came out and said that he, he, he thought Chelsea would drop points and that we... We're still in with the chance. I thought he'd absolutely lost his marbles. But uh, it's amazing. We are right bang up there now. And um, uh, I would, who, who would have seen it? Nobody would have seen it. I, I, you know, we've, we've uh, had a brilliant December so far. Uh, Gilberto Silver, uh, the, uh, the loss of Sesk might at another time have been really, really uh, difficult. Uh, with, with players like Diaby looking um, like they're showing the kind of form we've, we've expected or hoped from them uh, over the last... Uh, over the last couple of seasons, maybe we can cope without him for the next few weeks. Yeah, hopefully. If, if he can get back in time for the run of fixtures that's at the end of January towards the beginning of February, where we face uh, like the likes of Villa, United, Chelsea and Liverpool, all you know within a few days of each other, and then I think we might be all right for the first part of January. Diaby's playing very well. It depends really on how bad uh, Danielson's injury turns out to be. If we were to lose Danielson, Sesk and Song, a prolonged period of time that might be more of a concern hmm. good player I think you have to give credit to the to the team um, having been in a position where there are 11 points behind where everybody practically is saying well that's it it's game over now uh, to have gone through December the way we did I think it shows a great deal of mental strength and, and shows that there's a, a determination um, to achieve something this year with this group of players yeah, no, I, I agree entirely. I remember, I remember talking to uh, the man from East Lower just after the Chelsea defeat, and I think we were saying to each other that we couldn't. There'd been too much good early on in this season for us to believe it was just a complete repeat of last season. And I think, and I think the players have, have kind of latched onto that and and really shown that. And I think what I tried to say on my blog this week was that whilst the Fabregas definitely made the difference when he came on, um, it was a pretty good performance up until then, and we'd. We certainly cranked it up after half time, and you know we're pretty good at exploiting teams as they as they tire a little bit. And and I think it was everyone was playing well, and I think that's important. All right, okay. Well, fingers crossed we can keep it up against uh, against Portsmouth. Now um, it's uh, uh, ten years of the noughties or the two thousands or whatever you want to call them, and it's a decade that started incredibly well. You could almost split it in two, in the sense that the uh, the first five years. 
involved trophies, incredible achievements, incredible football. There was a double, the Invincible season, FA Cups, etc. And since 2005, we've we've struggled a little bit, but there are factors, obviously, in in terms of moving uh, stadium and, and trying to keep up with uh, financial uh, difficulties and all that kind of stuff. But what I want to do first is talk about your, your teams of the decade. And um, we've all uh, sat down probably in the last 10 minutes and, and written out the, <laughs> the team that we think... Um, is the best Arsenal team of the decade. And I've had to do it from the point of... I've had to leave aside some personal animus I've got with certain players uh, to to realistically think what is the best Arsenal eleven of of all the players that have played over the over the last 10 years. Um, I, I'm not sure... Uh, maybe we should do it position by position. Uh, I think they're probably going to be quite similar. Uh, in goal, obviously, I've got Jens Lehmann. Yeah, I've got Jens Lehmann as well. Um, you know, in fairness, David Seaman won as many uh, league titles this decade as Jens Lehmann did. But I feel, I think, on balance, I thought Jens Lehmann came in and in his, in his first season to not lose a single game. I think is is a fairly incredible feat for a goalkeeper. So, so I, I went for Jens too. Mm. Yeah, I went for Jens Lehmann as well. I thought um, I couldn't give it the sympathy vote to Seaman. He was sort of on the wane. Um, uh, and so layman, layman for me. Yeah, I've got layman as well. I do think. Uh, I imagine a few of that Invincibles team will be cropping up in in these in these selections. But for a goalkeeper to go pretty much the season I've beaten, I think he played. I think he played every league game in that in that season. But uh, throughout his time with us until the very end, he was he was, you know, he was an excellent goalkeeper towards the end of his career. But but a remarkable keeper nonetheless. And. I think better than anything we've had since. Yeah, I think that that kind of goes without saying. Um, all right, right back. Uh, maybe we might diversify a little bit here, but I've gone for I've gone for Sanya because I think he is probably uh, the perfect Wenger fullback in the sense that he, he defends well, he's strong, he's quick, he's athletic, and and while I really like Lauren. Um, and, and the hardness that he, that he brought to the team and uh, I thought he was a good player uh, certainly perhaps uh, more of an uh, attacking threat than, than Sanya uh, I, I've gone for Sanya because I just think you know if, if I have to balance it across the rest of the defence he's, he's the guy that's, uh, that can really do it for me um, Gilberto Silver? I've actually gone for Sanya as well I, I thought very strongly about, about picking Lauren who was a player I really, I really liked and obviously who played for us over a much longer spell over the decade. But I do think Sandy's just a phenomenal right-back. I, I really do. I've thought that since day one. He's incredibly powerful, incredibly athletic. And I remember when, when we had that Invincibles team, Lauren was always talked about as sort of a, a possible weak link, um, perhaps unfairly, but I think Sanya is actually head and shoulders above him as, as a player and as a defender. I think he's top class. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to go with Lauren. Um not because I think he's a better player, particularly than Sanya. I think Sanya's, uh, I agree with you all, I think he's a really, really good right back. But I think in terms of what he won and the, the sort of team he played in and what that meant, and the fact he moved from midfield to sort of right back, um, I think in his peak he was excellent. So I, I, I think, you know, obviously Sanya could, could have done it, but um, I'm going to go for Lauren. Um, I think finally I'd, I'd go for Sanya very easily, I think. Um, it was purely timing and circumstance. The fact that Lauren was what seven years older than Sanya had, you know, had Sanya been born at the same time as Lauren or vice versa, you know, I think I think Sanya would have been ahead of Lauren in the team. And I think he would have been. I think Sanya would have would have been a great player for the Invincibles, won all those trophies. You look at Sanya. There's a great montage that they play um, when the teams come out when they're doing the 
uh, Sinatra song just before, or the Elvis song just before they come out at the Emirates. And there's a, they play a montage on the video screens. And one of the things, they play loads of goals. And one of the things they play is at, at tackle at Stanford Bridge where Terry came in and absolutely clattered Sanya. Put quite a nasty, dirty foul, actually. You just see Sanya just getting up and not even looking at Terry, not even giving him that much. And I, I was thinking, he would have been he would have been a great player and he would have graced any of our teams and I think I'd go for him. All right. Okay. Um let's do the central defence as as a pairing. Um I'm from East Lower, could you start that one please? Yeah, sure. Um I probably I mean I had a bit of a problem with this one. I probably should have gone for Torre, uh, but I didn't. I, in the end I went for uh Campbell and, and Keown. Uh, Campbell because I think he you know, the fact we we nabbed him off Spurs was, was fantastic and he was superb for the first uh uh, you know, for the first three three years or so, um, I thought he was excellent. Keown, just because he's sort of linked to the old school, and uh, if only if 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 alone for for what he did to Nat Van Nistelrooy at Old Trafford, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he was, he's, he's and he's just a legend of mine. So I, I take those two. Yeah, I, that, I've got the exact same two as well. I thought Campbell, you know, in his first three seasons for us, was was an incredible player, um, particularly in that uh, invincible season. Um, I struggled a bit with Toure because I, you know, I like Colo, but I just thought if you had to pick two defenders to really make a, a, a solid back four, um, it would be Campbell and Martin Keown was the other one as well. Like you say, it's old school, that hardness, that commitment, the drive, you know, the physicality maybe that we've missed um, in recent seasons. Campbell and Keown for me, you know, at their peak would be an awesome pairing. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say the same. I think Campbell, you can't look beyond it. He made a huge difference when he came in in 2001, won two league titles for us. I think we all, most of us will agree on that. Um, Kieran versus Toro, that, that's what it came down for, for me. I looked and I thought, well, in 2001, 2002, and the year after when we won the FA Cup, our second uh, defender was Keown. I, I know Adams was at the tail end of his career when we won the title in 2002. And, and I think Keown was still there when we were turned invincible and you know he didn't play many games that season but he did he did class of Anisteroy and I don't think you can I think you have to look at the uh, that old back four I think there has to be some kind of a nod to them in this team because I think they were around at the turn of the decade and the kind of values they instilled in, in players like Vieira etc I think were crucial to some of the success we've enjoyed and, and you can look at you know the fact we haven't enjoyed so much success since they've gone and, and, and maybe have a look at that so I'd, I'd go for Campbell and Kieran too. I actually, I'm the odd one out here. I've I've gone for Torre alongside uh, Campbell. I thought very very hard about putting Keown in, whose player I really loved and who who is a superior defender for me for Torre. But I, I went for Colo because uh, certainly in the first part of his time at Arsenal, the spirit that that he showed on the pitch was something that was really typified that invincible side and that sort of. Uh, amazing energy that he brought to 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 the, his game, um, and I, I have a lot of affection for Torre, and I, I think it's quite sad the way that he he declined, and I think it's probably for the best that he eventually left the club. But for his part in the in the sort of mid period of the decade, I've gone for Kylo Torre alongside Sol Campbell. All right, um, left back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think everybody's got that little rueful laugh because um, it, it's you've got to look at it from a purely footballing point of view, which is the way I I pick my team. Um, who are the best footballers? And leaving aside, but can we not just move on? 
No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, it had to be it had to be Ashley Cole, and and perhaps one of the one of the the downsides, the biggest downsides of this decade was the way um, in which Cole left the club and and became public enemy number one. You know, for for a guy that grew up with us, that you know. Uh, started his career at Arsenal. Uh, he got a lucky break, perhaps, when Silvino left. But you know, he was an Arsenal boy through and through. And I think it's, you know, um, with the, with the distance of time, it's a bit of a shame the way um, his time at the club ended. Uh, from a footballing point of view, for me, he's certainly the best left back we've had in the last ten years. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, he's also, um, I think, he, you know, the fact that we he came through the ranks from uh, schoolboy um, and his English. Uh, I think he, he he was excellent, and it's a shame what happened. But you know, I'd have crashed my car if I'd have been offered only fifty five k a week. So. <laughs> only, yeah. <laughs> right. He, he is he's a fantastic defender, though. Whatever you think of him. Uh, well, I, I didn't have any such problems with this because you know you you're talking about a team of the decade. You, well, it depends. You know when this team are playing, and the team I picked were were one nil down at the Emirates with a with twenty minutes left. You know, in a cup competition, Wenger was throwing on the artillery, and what did he decide to do? He, he decided he was going to sacrifice a full back and bring on an extra forward. Um, and so I haven't got a left back, so it's very very easy, really. Oh, right. okay. But <laughs> if I did have a left back, <laughs> if I did have a left back, it would probably be Ashley Cole. I admit. All right, so you're playing three at the back, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's like it's like against Hull, Hull last season in the FA Cup when when he just throws on striker after striker after striker. <laughs> and in a way, I think I think that's a fitting fitting tribute to Wenger's policy because that's what he does. But you know, you, I suppose it'd be yeah, if I'm going to have a left back, it'll be Cole. But I, I kind of found an extra player to go up in the air. All right, okay, up in the midfield <laughs> striker area. Gilberto <laughs> Silva. I've gone for Nelson Vivas. Hey. <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, it pains me, but I would have to. Uh, I'd have to say, Carl. In seriousness, I do think for a time with us, he was phenomenal, and uh, you know, he's he's a great defender, actually, Carl. You look at him and you see this sort of quick, nippy player, and you think, well, he's going to be such a threat going forward. But he's actually a really solid defender. I think the bit of time he spent with the likes of Keown uh, really paid off for him, and he's got very good defensive instincts. And uh, yeah. It's sort of making me feel a bit sick, but Ashley Cole is our best left back of the decade. The thing is, as well, if you look at Vivas, you know, I mean, I think all of us were thinking about him, but I don't yeah. think he was ever the same player after after that game at Leeds, and that was kind of May 1999. So I think his best, you know, if we were talking about you know team of the last 12 years, I think you'd, you'd, you'd happily put Vivas in there. But <laughs> but you know, I think we have, we have to be fair here. And, uh, yeah, also <laughs> he's quite... the first man you'd want on the bench because his, his utility <laughs> ability. Mm. And of course, you know he's he's quite good at punching people called Neville, yeah. which yeah, I always I always enjoyed that about him. All right, well, there's our uh, there's our left back, and uh, as painful as it might be, it's it's uh, it's actually called for most of us. And good players taking the easy way out by playing three at the back. All right, in midfield, I've 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 gone with three. I've gone with a three man midfield. I've kind of taken our um, I've taken our current formation a little bit, and and in. My midfield three, I've got Gilberto in the song role, and I've got Vieira and Sesk ahead of him. Um, I've got exactly that as well. Yeah, because I just think, you know, uh, I think that this, this formation quite suits um, the way we play, and maybe maybe it's something he should have done 
a couple of seasons earlier was was look at the the formation to try and fit around the players that he had. But Gilberto, obviously, because he was a you know he was I think an underrated player. Um, he he had difficulties, I thought, at times with imposing himself on games, and it, he allowed himself to be bullied physically. I think at times, but when he when he did it, um, you know, there was nobody better at sort of sweeping off in front of that back four and then ahead of him. What can you say about uh, Fabregas and Vieira as as a front two in a in a midfield? They're just two incredible talents. So, um, your particular reasons for that, Gilberto Silver? Well, Fabregas, if you were going to pick a four four two, Fabregas and Vieira would be your pick, I think, every time. I mean, they play together, if, uh, you know, for a brief spell, but uh, not for too long. But they're outstanding for both, for two different reasons. Two number fours, two captains, two players that have been the heartbeat of, you know, the two major sides across this decade. Um, but I, basically, I, I felt I wanted to sneak Gilberto in, so I went with a central three, because... For me, he was a player who bridged the major sort of divide uh, in the decade. You know, when the Invincible sort of broke up and we moved stadium, he was quite an important mainstay of that team. And there was that season where he was captain for a long time. And I felt that was a very important time for the club because we Mm. could have very easily slipped out of the Champions League. But he was a real leader in that spell and helped keep us sort of consistent pushing on through towards the end of the decade. So that's why I went for those three. Mm. I have to say, I think... In, on reflection, we we probably could have kept him another season. I think. Yeah, you know, I agree. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, um, good player. Let's hear your midfield. Yeah. I could I could have very easily gone with those three. I mean, I think Fabregas and Vieira picked themselves. It interesting. A couple of points on that. Wenger said that Fabregas. He said somewhere I remember reading that Fabregas and Vieira couldn't play together, and he realised that, and that's why it's sell Vieira. I mean. I struggle to believe they couldn't have played together. I think it would have been quite <laughs> fantastic. I mean, I remember going to the, I don't know if you, any of you remember, the 49th game of the of the 49-game run, the Villa home game. And it was and it was, it was Fabregas and Vieira in the middle with Reyes right, Perez left, Berg coming on the up front. And oh, my God. I mean, it was, you know, people, we were just sitting there looking at each other. People have been going for years, a lot longer than me, just looking at each other going, this, it does not get any better than this. And if you, you know, there were chances of, have you ever seen football played like this? I think, Gordon Strachan was kind of falling over himself in the commentary box, even at one all. And it, and I and so I, this argument they couldn't have played together. I, I think they could have been quite magnificent. And it, the, my, my other point is that if we're still here in ten years' time doing this, um, we could well have. If he stayed, Fabregas would only be thirty-two. Um, so it's quite a tribute. <laughs> it's quite a tribute to him that he's you know such an obvious choice and such a dominant figure in this decade. So I go for those two, and then uh, you could have gone for Gilberto Silva. I, I personally went for Ray Parler. Um, it was a very tight call. Yeah, he was there. He for, he won both the league titles. He won quite a few of the FA Cups. Um, and I, I just think he was someone who achieved so much with what he had. Uh, with a real Arsenal man, gave us a lot of steel. On another day, I'd have gone to Gilberto. All right, so you've gone with that three as well. So Parler as that, that anchor man or the engine room in midfield? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, all right. or, I mean, all Vieira playing the song role, if you like. And, right. and you yeah. know, Fabregas and Parler ahead of him. Okay, a man from East Well, I can't believe that none of you have picked Robert Perez. Ah, uh, not yet. Oh, yeah. Not yet. <laughs> well, certainly not in the midfield. Well, I've, I've gone for a traditional 4-4-2. I've got um, Fabregas and Vieira in the middle. Uh, I don't really need to explain why. We, I think we've been through that. Perez on the left, I think he's just a, a legend with a magnificent eye for a pass. Um, fabulous player. And, um, and I went... It was between Parler and Lundberg on, on the right, and I went for 
Freddie Lundberg for his form sort of 2002, three, right about that time, just brilliant player. So that's who I've gone with. All right. Um, Honourable mentions, I suppose you could, you could put in there. I, I always liked Edu as a player. I thought he was a guy who could have achieved an awful lot more um, mm. at Arsenal. Maybe his injury slowed him down, but I thought that invincible season, he was really outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, he was excellent. And then the another one we let go, I think, a, a bit too soon. Mm. All right, okay. Um, okay, man for me, Slower, you can, you can start because you've only got two up front as you've done the four four two. Um Tell us who it is. Well, I mean, I, 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 I don't think you, <laughs> if I were to ask you all to guess, I think you'd have it in... in uh, it was Henri, obviously, and Bergkamp. I just mm. can't choose anybody else. I'd love to have put Van Persie in because he's a player I really like and he's um, one of our modern players because, you know, if I look back at my eleven. There's only one from the current team, and yet Sanya, Arshavin, Van Persie, they, they could have got in. But uh, no, I couldn't choose anyone but Henri and Bergkamp. All right. I have a sneaking feeling then that um, myself and Gilberto Silva and Gubley have the same front three, uh, Bergkamp, Henri and, and Pires. I think that's as, uh, as good as it gets for me I don't know quite how to extol the virtues of each player because we all know what they did and what they brought to the what they brought to the team and I think we have to maybe look back now and think how lucky we were to yeah. to be watching Arsenal at a time when we had Bergkamp, Henri, Pires, Vieira, possibly four of the best players in the world uh, at any one time in our team it's no wonder we played good football. I, I agree I mean I've uh, yeah I mean we, we look at you say the decades split into two and it and you know, obviously the second half it's been a bit disappointing but it hasn't been an absolute domination we haven't won what we'd like to we've still been in the Champions League every season but it's a it's a disappointment compared to what was just the most amazing team um, and I yeah, I go with you guys I've got one extra player remember lucky me up my sleeve um, oh, yeah. so I, I kind of had on my front three I had I, well I've got Jumberg Perez kind of right and left I think if you look at Freddie his uh he struggled initially for about his first 18 months, which was actually from about September 1998 up until the, the kind of turn of the decade, if you like. Um, and from then on, you know, he had some outstanding times that, that really encompassed some of our best times. So I wanted to find a place for him. Perez just speaks for himself, just brilliant. Uh, uh, Henri and, and, and then Bergkamp as well. You know, I guess Ber- Bergkamp had come on as a sub or one of them could Freddie had come on as a sub. I, I don't know. You know, however you wish, but I've managed to make room for all of them and no room for Ashley Powell, so that's a good one. <laughs> three, um, three, four. Yeah, yeah, we're going yeah, for I, it. We're going for it like Wenger does. And I, I, I think if Arsene was listening, he's, he's, he's may have better things to do with his time. But, um, you yeah, know, I think he'd, I think he'd appreciate the nod to all the, uh, all the always attacking instincts. So, yeah, Henri Bergkamp. Pires and Jumberg. <laughs> That's not fair. Oh well, <laughs> That's good, that's good. I, I've got to give honourable mention to Freddie Jumberg, who just misses out on my team. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, you know, a cult hero, but a great player and some remarkable uh, scoring form that won us trophies, you know, really like a legend, Freddie, doubtless, and definitely on my subs bench, I suppose, but... Yeah, I've, like blogger, I've gone for Perez, Henri, and Burkamp. I haven't quite worked out the sort of iteration of where those three will be. I think I would just let them do whatever they like, really. But <laughs> I just yeah. like uh, I just wouldn't go be, do it. Yeah, yeah, just go. It's fine. We got Joe well, I, I mean, I I think Perez personally goes goes um, better and a bit further back uh, rather than the front three, just because he, the amount of balls he used to ping through to Henri. So um, yeah. 
Uh, I, I don't know, but uh, but uh, at least we've all got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't couldn't be a team without. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Without Robert Perez, you'd have to think that that team were it together at the peak of its powers would be pretty much uh, unstoppable. But then how do we how do we um, explain the the difference between, you know, that team with those great players and their struggles in Europe with a team, you know, that's done better in Europe over the last couple of seasons, but is certainly much uh much more raw in terms of experience and, and possibly not as talented. It's weird, isn't it? Well, you know who's got the experience now. It's uh, it's Arsene Wenger. I think that's a really crucial thing, and I think he's learned a hell of a lot um, over the last fourteen years of Champions League competition. He's, he's learned to be a lot cleverer. I know he had a bit of experience beforehand. He's learned how to manage it with an English team, which I think is important. Um, and if you, I suppose if you look as well that some of our players who we've brought in, players like Adebayor, etc., have had previous Champions League experience, whereas whereas a lot of the English guys, great players as they were, didn't didn't have that experience other than a couple of games against Austria Vienna in 1991. So I, I don't know, but I suspect my hunch is, my hunch is that Wenger's learned a lot, to be honest. I, I think as well, the context of European football has changed somewhat. I think an, an English team, a Premier League team, say coming up against a, a Serie A team a decade ago and now is a, probably a slightly different proposition. Like I, I feel that the strength of our league is so so significant really in the in the way that the teams progress and that I think that the other teams around us I think Ars- this Arsenal team is not as good as the Invincibles team but the gap between it is not as vast as some would have you believe I just genuinely believe the other big teams in England the amount of money that they spend now the sort of the outlay that's there the players that are brought in I do believe the general standard of the competition has raised all right. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of the current team is uh, is down to experience. If you look at the 2004 side, there's so much experience there, and it's very hard to say whether the current team will ever be as good as that. Because uh, you know, we, if we kept them together another three or four years, then you might be able to judge. But it's pretty hard to say at the moment. 
Well, I mean, the thing about that team where we talked about those players, but they're all pretty much at their peak, you know, the the, the very height of, of yeah. their talent and ability. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Thank you for your teams of the decade. And we move on to some other little snippets um, that we um, look back on over the last 10 years. The game of the decade was one which caused me um, to think, and I don't particularly like thinking very much, especially not after all the beer at Christmas. But uh, there were games that entertained... But there were games that just gave you that uh, that lift as a fan afterwards for for days, uh, for weeks even. And the game I've gone for, there were a few I'll come back to. Just I won't mention just in case somebody else has chosen this as their game of the decade. But the one that that just sticks in my mind straight away is is uh, winning the league at Old Trafford that night. I thought um, I thought that really I, I don't quite know how to explain it after having. I think we finished th- uh, second three years in a row, didn't we, to United before then. Um, and to finally uh, get the title back and do it at their ground and do it in a way... I, I, I don't think I was ever nervous during that game. Of course, it was sort of game, but I always felt that we were going to go win it given the way we were playing at that time. So for me, it's uh, the United game at Old Trafford in, in 2002. I think uh, that's a good choice. Uh, definitely on my list. Um I think I agree with you. I, I never, after about the first fifteen minutes of nerves, you never really felt you're gonna uh, that that we were gonna lose it. And that um, I, I didn't go for it in the end. I went for the four-two against Liverpool in two thousand and four. I think it was mm. um, because it, there was it, there was some you know it was an honorary masterclass, but also we were really close to uh, winning the title uh, you know that year, and and uh, we were struggling a little bit in that game and turned it around, and it was just. Uh, a glorious game, great fun. Um, yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think. You know, in terms of great moments to win the title, at Old Trafford is. You know, they've never won the title at Arsenal, and I hope they never do. And you know, they, all right, we drew with them last season. And they won, and they won it at home. But I think this was so different that it was phenomenal. But I think as well, the kind of in terms of, if you're lucky enough to, like me to go to some of the games, you know, you look at some of the moments where you were there, and in, in that Invincibles season um, I was in the North End when Omri scored that goal against Liverpool in the game that's just been alluded to and you know I mean the place just went mad it was just unbelievable um, three days later against Leeds and he scored four and you know Andy Gray had one of those moments once in a decade moments where his throat goes dry and all of that stuff and, uh, and that was phenomenal and, and just that 49th game as well where you know, it was so mundane it was 3-1 against Villa on what, October or November afternoon at three o'clock, but it was just so brilliant. And it was just, the team was perfect. It was just amazing. And I, I think in a way, in terms of top moment, 2002, but in just terms of, they're just the, there came a point when you did realize that the Invincible was like pretty, pretty special, basically. Um, and I think that Villa game was it. And also that Omri goal against Liverpool. I, uh, there've been some amazing highs and some amazing victories it's a bit perverse, really, but I've picked a game where we lose, uh, partly because of personal experience. I, for me, Arsenal taking part in the Champions League final was an incredible thing. I absolutely loved everything about it until about 70 minutes. <laughs> and uh, even afterwards, the sort of depth, I mean, I was absolutely devastated with the, when Barcelona won. But still, the pride I felt in the performance and the pride in us participating at that level on the European stage, 
for, for those players and that manager to get there. The day itself, anyone who's a sort of forum member of Ask Blog, you know, there was a great day like at the, the pub and in Paris, and, and I was out there playing football. We, yeah, yeah, <laughs> playing football in the street, hitting Alex Ferguson's car with a <laughs> play shot. Uh, it was just a great day and a great occasion, and I was really proud of the club on that day, and so that's what I went for. Um, in terms of entertainment, there were two games that, that stood out for me, uh, just in, in pure uh, entertainment terms. There was that 5-4 game against Spurs um, <laughs> at White Hart Lane, which was I remember watching in the pub. I was living in Barcelona, and this, this Spurs fan, every time they scored, he was going, that's it, we're back in it now. You're gonna... And it was just incredible that every time they scored, we just went and scored another one. It was amazing. But another game... Uh, that sticks out for me, and I think it epitomizes the way that um, Arsene Wenger wants his teams to play football. Was that Middlesbrough game at home, oh. the five-three game, and it was yeah. like, oh my god, what's happening? What's happening? And then all of a sudden, we just—I don't know what it was like. We'd been bitten in the arse and just clicked into gear, and the goals we scored, and it was just a, a festival. I can't describe it any any better than that. Like a festival of football. It was just pure, pure out-and-out entertainment. That Reyes goal in that game is, is brilliant. Isn't it? <laughs> it's one of those great sort of moments that it's a brilliant Martin Tyler piece of commentary where he sort of screeches Reyes's name into the microphone. But that was an, a, a remarkable game. I mean, there have been some re- the high scoring ones you remember. I mean, it's right at the end of the decade, but that 4 4 at Anfield last year was, was extremely entertaining as well. And the 5 4 that you mentioned, it's been sort of. Uh, I mean, Jose Mourinho would call them ice hockey matches or whatever, but to watch, unbelievable. Mm. Any others? I, well, I you want to. Want... Sorry, go on. I was sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say um, one other game. I think it's worth mentioning is one uh, nil against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Yes. Yeah, uh, I think uh, just for what it said, uh, and you know, it was just awesome. Uh, great goal as well. So that's Com- a coming that was... of age of Fabregas, I think, as well yeah. that night because I remember going traveling back to Barcelona and buying the newspaper the next morning and buying the the the, the Madrid newspapers, Marca and AS, and they were they were just unbelievably complimentary about Arsenal and Fabregas in particular they were you know they were uh, very aware of what a what a talent he is mm. I suppose the San Siro goes in that bracket as well one game which which is not a, which I think is a really important game which often doesn't get noticed but it, and it wasn't a special game it wasn't a brilliant game but I think it's so crucial was that the penultimate game at Highbury and we're losing 1-0 to Tottenham with eight minutes left or something um, and Adebay, all in fairness to him, tackles their guy, maybe fouls him, I don't know, uh, gets it to Henri. I mean, Henri just, just scores one of, uh, a wonderful goal. And I think you, if if he hadn't come off the bench, Henri, that day and scored that goal, we would have probably lost to Tottenham that day. I think we wouldn't have got the Champions League spot. Mm. All those players who did leave that summer would have left anyway, I think. I think Henri may have left as well without that without Champions League football. We would have had a very young callow inexperienced team going into a new stadium without Champions League football with Tottenham having Champions League football um, and I think you suddenly look and I think that was one of those moments where things could have turned out very 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 differently and we mm-hmm. think we think the last three and a half years haven't been brilliant but you know had that not happened and you we forget how near it was I mean you know they were basically in the Champions League if, if, if we had equalised that day that was worth three points alone that goal two of them Two taken off them, one for us. And I think that was such a huge moment, which I think is sometimes forgotten. 
I just quickly as well would mention the the, the final game at Highbury as well, which was another incredibly emotional affair um, and, and just perfectly scripted. Omri scoring a hat-trick, falling to the ground and kissing the penalty spot at Highbury. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you couldn't write that. And uh, it was a great, that was a great day as well. Also, the whole lasagna thing was <laughs> So it's worth mentioning. All right. Um, goal of the decade, considering how many goals Arsenal have scored, uh, it was a very, very difficult one. Uh, and I think it probably, for you guys, came down to just a, a personal choice or a goal that made you or the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, regardless of the importance of the game or, or, or the result or anything like that. Um, I'll start with you, man, for me, Slower. What, what have you picked? Well, uh, I went, in the end, not with... I didn't go with the obvious one, which is Bergkamp against Newcastle, mm. which was just a, a feat of magic. Uh, I actually decided to go with one that uh, of a game I was actually um, uh, the game I actually attended, and um, goes back to what Gilberto Silva said here. It's, uh, my goal is actually going to be Campbell's against Barcelona in the Champions League final, just because I was there. Um, you know, we went one 0 up, and uh, uh, it was just a great experience. And so, um, for all there are millions of others that you could have gone for. You know, there's Van Persie's against Charlton, Eduardo's against Burnley, and. <laughs> Brilliant goals, but I went for Campbell's. All right, good player. Uh, I suppose Bergkamp is the, the crowning moment of an incredible career in terms of that was the most classic Bergkamp moment of all the Bergkamp moments. Uh, that was out there, Henri's against Man U because he'd actually not been playing very well. And, you know, to do that in a game which was so incredibly tight and it took a goal like that to win it. And, I mean, it was incredible. But yeah, the goal I've gone for is probably a goal I've gone for because... I get annoyed that no one else or few people recognise it's brilliant. There was actually August 2002, we're 2-0 down at Upton Park. Um, I can't remember who it is. It might be Wilt or someone or Lauren plays the ball into Henri. Um, he takes, he's got his back to goal 30 yards out and he, he basically flip rolls the ball with, his, with one touch on his left foot so that it basically loops the loop kind of backwards. And that does the man. And then he needs it down, and then he just hits it from 30 yards. And, I mean, if you watch it again, and it is the first touch is technically unbelievable, on a par with Bergkamp's at Newcastle. And the second and third touch, it is technically perfection. And we went on to equalise in that game. And at, but at 2-0 down, we didn't have a prayer. And just watch it. It is technical perfection. And I, I know it's not the most important goal, but it's an incredibly underrated goal, I think. Mm. And the one I went for, uh, again, you know, the, there are goals that stand out, you know, some of Perez's goals. And I, I thought about Perez against Liverpool, that, that curling shot mm-hmm. in the Invincible season. But it was a, another goal against Liverpool. It was at Anfield. It was the uh, the uh, 2001-2002 mm-hmm. season. And it was Freddie Jumberg. We'd gone down to 10 men. I think it was Paul Durkin was the ref. And he sent off Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and... Uh, Perez had the ball on our left-hand side. Gerard was up against him. He shimmied one way, put the ball the other way, and out sprinted Gerard. Got to the, got to the uh, the byline, pulled it back, and coming in. I mean, when you talk about seconds defining football matches, Freddie's run to arrive at that second to put it in the in the in the near post, uh, and I think that made it two 0 to Arsenal. I thought that was just, you know, a truly outstanding goal and, and a, a goal that um, that said a lot about the team um, and, the, and their ability away from home at Anfield against a good Liverpool side 
you know, with 10 men to go and put yourselves 2-0 up and, and really take the game to them and win that game, which went a long way, of course, to helping us win the title. I mean, there are better technical goals and there are better um, team goals, etc., etc. But for me, that that's just one that sticks out uh, or sticks in my mind as, as a truly brilliant Arsenal goal. That's a great. Is that the game where Canu played as a holding midfielder? Yeah, after after uh, after Van Bronckhorst was sent off. Yeah, yeah, it was a, rem- a remarkable team performance. Mm. I I've gone for I thought very carefully about two Patrick Vieira goals. One at Anfield, and if you remember, I can't remember what year it was, but it was, uh, it was 2004, 2005. Yeah, it was a, a gorgeous team goal. Another one at home in the seven nil to Everton, where the interplay between Vieira, Van Persie and Burkamp was so brilliant and the little clip finished so brilliant. I loved those goals where he used to play the one-twos and go through from midfield. But in the end, I've gone for a goal we've already talked about, which is Thierry Henry at home to Liverpool in the Uh, 4-2. The weaving run through the defender, Jamie Carragher, falling on his ass like an idiot, which is... Falling into Stephen Gerrard, I think it was. I mean, oh, Stephen Gerrard. Well, even they, no, they fell, they fell into each other. They were so <laughs> petrified. They actually, I, mean, they actually fell, I was watching, they fell into each other. It's amazing. For that alone, I think it deserves going. But also, <laughs> it was a pivotal pivotal point in, in towards the end of that season where it looked like we might lose the record. We might even you know be in danger of losing the league. And he, he, he stood up and was counted with a, an absolute wonder goal. It did make the hair stand up on the back of my neck. So I've gone for that. All right. Any others that stand out? I mean, uh, Perez against Villa is another one that uh, sticks in my mind again in that 2002 season. And the ball mm. over the top from Jumberg, he chipped it over Boateng. And then I don't think Schmeichel was more than three or four feet off his line. And, you know, to lob a keeper like Schmeichel was outstanding. And didn't he do his pre-shirt straight after? Did he do his knee in or something? No, that was against against Newcastle, I think. Yeah. One one goal I remember, which was just one of those reasons, it was uh, early 2004, 2005, I think, watching Arsenal v Charlton. I was actually watching it in a pub that was showing it at 3pm, very naughty, on the big screen. They weren't playing the commentary, though. They had music. Playing and uh, and people were kind of half interested. And then about two minutes after the break, um, we kind of there was a throw in that came into the box, and the cameraman focused in, and Henri had it with his back to goal, and then suddenly he was running away and celebrating, and then no one quite knew what on earth had gone on, and the cameraman had been totally flummoxed, and then they re- they showed the replays and it was so that goal where he back heeled it basically mm-hmm. oh, yeah, um, right. across oh, yeah. the Shelton goalkeeper and and literally the more every time they play show the replay you know more people in the pub were turning around because a lot of them weren't even watching the game were turning around and just you know all the noise was getting louder of just absolute incre- incredibility you know this uh, this is just absolutely brilliant I mean so quick that the cameraman couldn't even catch it all right uh- um, just finally, because my brother is a Chelsea fan, I've just got to give honourable mention to the Ray Parler goal. Fabregas is six weeks ago against Spurs, the second one. That's got to be worth a mention too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I think uh, the timing of that one as well is uh, is uh, the main thing because, uh, you know, we've said it before and I think we said, you know, everyone said it on their blogs that you're still reacting to the first goal and all of a second, the second one is going in. And, you know, brilliant. Um, it was the same with that Reyes goal against Borough, wasn't it? That yeah. They just cut back to it 
and he was smashing it in, I think, as far as I remember. I think it was Bergkamp who'd scored just before him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I was going to ask you for a defender and midfielder and striker of the decade, but I think they're a bit obvious and, you know, it's going over it's going over old ground. So just to finish off, because we, we need to get to the end of this, um, a favourite memory from the last 10 years? It can be on pitch, off pitch, being at a game or, or something like that. Um, anyone? Uh, Shall I start? I think um, planting, I can't remember who it was, um, and I'm sure we've all got collective amnesia who did it, but planting a blow-up trophy on the uh, the centre circle at at White Hart Lane in 2004 was uh, uh, was pretty clever. I have to say that uh, from a not-on-the-pitch moment, but coming back from the the Madrid game uh, and, and being in Barcelona at the time, and I got back on uh, got back into Barcelona airport and uh, I was wearing my Arsenal shirt and an, an Arsenal scarf and got off the plane and came out and got the bus um, to go into the city centre. And as I got onto the bus, I was going to pay my fare and the bus driver, who was obviously a Barcelona fan, saw the Arsenal shirt and just gave me like, come on, brilliant, like, <laughs> well done. You know, it was fancy. He still charged me, of course, to go into the city centre. But for me, that was a real... I don't know, just a real football fan moment. I enjoyed that. I'm going to go again for the uh, unimaginatively. I'm going to go for the pre-game atmosphere at the Champions League final. I mean, just to, I hadn't really thought about this, but just something that makes me laugh now that I think about it. Just before that that Man U game, where we won the title at Old Trafford in 2002, and I was at the university at the time and living in a, kind of in a cold of a kitchen of 18 people, and, and I was so. So nervous. I think someone actually, in the end, three or four of my mates decided to take me out just to have a kick around, basically, because I was just such an impossible person to be around in the build-up to that <laughs> game. Um, and so, so they literally just took me out onto the grass outside and made a kick around to pass the time. And looking back at it, it was quite funny. And things, were, things were just unbelievable in those days. And I suppose as well, just look at, in a similar vein, you know, not a huge moment, just, just being with a couple of mates in, the, in one of the pubs around Highbury, May 2004, before the Leeds game, it was a, it was a nice warm evening. We we're outside and we were just standing there having a drink. We'd beaten Liverpool. I think we all knew it was going to be okay. We were just standing there and go, and we were saying to each other, you know, it's never going to be this good. You know, we're going to sit here in five or six years and it's not going to be this good. There's no way it will be. So let's enjoy it now. And and we are sitting here in five or six years, and it's not as good yet. But um, and and that was, you know, I think the great thing about that team was that we. I think I just about did manage to realise at the time how unique it was, and it, and it was very special. All right. Okay, well, gents, we better leave it there, and uh, let's keep some fingers crossed that the first part of this new decade is as, as successful as the first part of the last one, or, or this current one that's just ending. Uh, good player, thank you. All right, then, uh, Silver, thank you very much. Sorry, I lost you, Sorry, I lost you there for a second. <laughs> I was just saying thank you very much uh, for your contribution. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry, the, the line went dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was a that was a brilliant silence. Uh, Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog.com. Thank you very much. Thank you, and happy New Year. And to you best. and uh, the man from East Lower. Yeah, no problem. Happy New Year again. My thanks go to uh, Good Player from GoodPlayer.com. The man from East Lower. That's EastLower.co.uk. And Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog.com. Uh, I hope you found that interesting for the last Arscast of this decade. Certainly the last Arscast of this year. Uh, normal Arscasting, I assume, will uh, resume next week. Um, 
and we've got plenty to talk about and plenty to be going on with. Just before I go, though, uh, and before I wish you a happy new year, I've got to give the winner of the competition of the previous Irish cast, which was to win a Savile Rogue scarf, of course. With thanks to my friends at SavileRogue.com, I asked you which Arsenal player's name has a link to Christmas. Uh, a number of people sent in Emmanuel Ibue. Emmanuel, I suppose, has vague religious connotations, but the, the answer I was looking for was Nicholas Bentner, St. Nicholas Bentner. So there you go. Uh, Gareth Manning, well done to you. You've won the scarf. The random number generator picked your name out of the hat. So uh, we'll get in touch and we'll get that scarf out to you as soon as possible. So uh, for this particular Arscast for this year, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to wish you and yours a very happy, peaceful and prosperous 2010. All the very best and the very best, of course, for the Arsenal. Come on, talk to you next year. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.